And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I am encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. And if you would like to meet the shooter, Ronnie Gossett, in person, you can catch him Sunday, May 23rd from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. as Universal Championship Wrestling presents the NWO Reunion and Road Stories. This will be taking place at Whiskey's, located at 3069 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 3069 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. The event will be hosted by the shooter Ronnie Gossett and myself, Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch. And joining us for the NWO reunion will be two of the biggest names in the history of the New World Order, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner and Buff the Stuff Bagwell. They will be there telling road stories and answering questions from myself, Ronnie Gossett, as well as the audience where there will be a live Q&A session where you guys can ask them any questions that you want. We will answer all your questions. No punches will be pulled and of course there will be a special meet and greet before the event where you guys can meet all of us and you can get autographs pictures cop some merch all this great stuff is going down sunday may 23rd at whiskey's Tickets are $20, and you can purchase them either at Whiskey's. You can go physically to the bar to pick them up. You can get them on eventbrite.com. Just type in UCW NWO Reunion and Road Stories. Or you can purchase them at the official website, www.ucwtv.com. So get your tickets now before they sell out for this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to hear some NWO Reunion and Road Stories.
Hello, and welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the Undertaker's entrance theme as our commercial break for this go-around, and we did it because this particular recap that we're doing has a very big significance to the Undertaker in more ways than one. And nobody didn't try to start a fire. Yes, there was was no fire. There was no fire. No (laughs) fire, fire, fire. Arson arson is not okay. Yes, it is not okay. We did... But the first rule of arson is don't get caught. Exactly. And that's why there's no wood, because there's no fire. So, no, there's no wood because there was no females. Um, uh, actually, no, there wasn't. Now that I think about it, this did not have any women in it at all. No. Not even valet. No, no, it did not. But ladies and gentlemen, of course, we are referring here to the uh, classic pay-per-view review that we're about to dive into right now. Because as you guys know here on the Boochcast, Gator, Ricky, Ross, and I, we do classic pay-per-view reviews. What we do is we take a look back. At some classic pay-per-views from WWE, WCW, and ECW. Uh, We pick one and we uh, choose to talk about it. And we basically do it from the perspectives of two people who are not only fans of professional wrestling, but also work in the wrestling business. Uh, Gator, of course, has an extensive list of things he's done in the business from wrestler to manager to referee to announcer to commentator. Pop the popcorn. He pretty much had the business covered. Uh, I served the pizza. Yes, Pizza Baby. So, also, uh, I, of course, am a ring announcer, a commentator. I have, uh, you know, uh, handled finance. I've chauffeured wrestlers around. I've helped set up the ring. I've done extensive, extensive background work and stuff. I've pretty much had the business covered, too. So, we take that expertise. We put it together. We do. Unlike other people that are on this show. Anyway, <laughs> yes. moving on. Yes. Uh, if you saw the, uh, the the stream of our Royal Rumble watch party, you know a little bit of what Gator is saying there. But we're not going to get into that right Gator now. Gator got a little pissed. Yeah, Gator Gator got a little Gator got a little antsy. Uh, he didn't violate the Twitch rules, though, but he did get antsy. So, I'm just glad you didn't I did violate the Twitch. I followed the Twitch rules. I didn't make fun of the gays. You did not. You did not. I did not make fun of the ass pirates. No, you did The didn't. bum bandits. Yeah. This is the part the of the friends show. friends of Dorothy. I mean, I'm just saying, I, I I, think it's funny, you know, there's certain things. You know, it's one thing to be an analyst. It's another thing to actually be in the business. Yes, it is. Um, Especially when, when you call things and you see things, you know, like Paul Heyman screaming. Yes, <laughs> but the point, but the thing I'm trying to say is that you know, even though my other co-hosts don't work in the business, uh, no, they, they're, they're they, smart to it. They're smart to it because here's the thing: I don't let people on my show talk wrestling that don't know what the fuck they're talking about on some level. Time out. We let people on the show that know wrestling. Yes, we may not always always agree. Oh yeah, and that's the thing. I don't. Wa- I wouldn't Elvis. Yeah, I'm just uh, saying, I wouldn't want, if, if we all agreed, the show would be fucking boring. I like having the different points of view to combat I do too, on. but I also, here's the thing, and this is what I what I love about, about the show. We have modern fans. We have people on here, modern analysts. We have people in the business. We also have traditional analysts, and we have guys that are modern fans but want that traditional aspect mixed in with the new. Yeah, like it, so. It's, I think it's I think it's cool to have everything represented. We have guys in the business. We have traditionalists. We have modern traditionalists, and then we have the modern shit show. So yes. it's <laughs> that's terrible to call it that, but I mean that's modern wrestling. Uh, I'm yeah. not allowed to watch most of it. Uh, Vinny has told me I had to 
check in with him before I could. Yeah, he was getting too angry at modern wrestling. Like, obviously, there's a lot of there's some things in modern wrestling I like. There's some that I don't like, but I don't take the anger to to the level that Gator does. So I was just like, dude, you're just Gator, you're stressing yourself Gator out. Had a heart attack. Yes, he's um he's uh, you know you know he's been having those um you know just he he's been on a Sprite diet ever since uh because he just took himself. Look, I drink a lot of Sprite because you know I quit drinking alcohol. Yes, so he had to. So I drink a, I drink a lot of Sprite, but I. I recently, uh, my doctor told me that I needed to go to Sprite Zero. So now I'm on the Sprite Zero, which has no flavor. Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, actually, my um, my, dad, know, my dad my like dad is Vince actually a, I know my dad has actually been a uh, uh, quite the Sprite drinker re- uh, recently. I won't say for reasons why because those reasons have been uh, told personal. not to. I, yes, they're personal, and I've been told personal. not to mention them on the show. So I will not do that. Kayfabe. 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 I have to kayfabe it. Kayfabe it. Uh, so anyway, um, so but, anyway, as I mentioned before, but, but yeah. Uh, Sprite Zero is a lot like Vince Russo. No fucking flavor. None at all. Uh, or I will say, actually, it's more. Actually, it's no substance. There's there's flavors. They're just not delicious flavors. They're flavors. Yes, like, that, like, like Vince Russo. No substance. Yeah, like, like uh, yeah, because Vince Russo has flavor. They're just they're, the flavors aren't delicious. The flavors are like, why the fuck would you make this a flavor? That kind of thing. It's like yeah. it's like going to an ice cream place and it's like, what kind of ice cream flavor is this? And they go meatloaf. Why the fuck would you do it's that? It's okay though. It's okay though, children. He's done some good things for the business. Like he's the reason Jim Cornette's staying healthy. <laughs> I mean, granted, he's staying healthy enough so he can outlive Russo and piss on his grave. But still, we thank you. He said, if he's able-bodied, he said, even if he's in a wheelchair, his wife has to wheel him to the grave, and she's out of the will if she doesn't. There's a few people out of the will if they don't. Um, well, I, mean, she, I, well, I don't know the other people. I just know he he specifically mentioned his wife on Dark Side of the Rings. He goes, my I told my wife she's out of the will if she doesn't make this happen. If she does not make, make this happen. Uh, that is the truth. She, having she, met this woman, <laughs> um, I I can firmly and confidently say if 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 push comes to shove she will do anything she has to cuz she don't like him either <laughs> well i would i would hope not otherwise she uh, don't she, like him either if she um, is the thing if she did like him it would be it, she would have to be like oh crap not this again like i've always wondered like how his wife felt about uh shit stain uh, as he likes to call him, I would you I, like would you like me to uh, <laughs> let you in on this? Uh, are, are you able to share it? I mean, I don't mind. Go ahead. Um, we got time. I've I've met the woman. You've met you her, know, and I met her at 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 you know conventions because I I frequent the conventions. Yes, Benny knows I frequent the conventions. Yes. So yes, I've met her at some of the conventions. Just the conventions. Not trying to get too corny. Um, <laughs> got it. Anyway. What I'm saying is, is she's a sweet lady. She is. And, and <laughs> she just stains him. She, you know, she was a manager too. Yes. I, I know Some about that. Some people aren't aware of that. She was in, she was in, uh, they met before everything got crazy with OVW, but yeah, she was in OVW. Yes. Like she was, she was sin. Yes. Uh, before, before she was, you know. And she had her own faction uh, and everything. 
uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the Disciples, the Disciples of, Sin. of Sin or some shit. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think wasn't Batista in that as the Leviathan? He was. He was in that faction. Yeah, because I remember. Well, I know. I know about it because Cornette tells the story about him getting into an issue with Brock Lesnar. You know, well, do you do we know who do we know who all was in that faction? I just know Batista and Sin. Slash, I, Slash, and Damien. Now, Slash. A lot of people don't know this, but Slash was the former Wolfie D. Wolfie D. Of PG-13. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. Did the, the, uh, yes, actually. Oh, my God. So, was da- is Damien who I think it is? No. It's not him? No. It yeah. is not Jamie Dundee. Damien don't know what kayfabe means? <laughs> yeah, and he says Niagara a lot. Um... Yeah, that, more than that, I that say was, Niagara. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a messed up, that's a messed up guy, messed up guy, right there. No, he wasn't messed up. He was just drunk. I actually, did I tell you I got to meet him not too long ago? No, you didn't. I did. I I didn't. I didn't uh, say this about about the last Wrestlecade. I met him. Okay. He was drunk. He was uh, drunk. Is he ever not drunk? No. God, poor, this dude. I mean, I will admit, it, it, it's it's entertaining to watch on some level, but there's other times yeah. where he's just out of his well, mind. Well, so is a train wreck. It's, it's a train wreck, yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, so she... Kind of like this pay-per-view. Yes, which we're going to get into. Now, of course, the pay-per-view we're referring to, ladies and gentlemen, is WWE Survivor Series 1990. That's the one that we're uh, covering um, for this particular pay-per-view, which is the... Undertaker's this, debut. Yes, it was now his date, and the reason this is significant is not just because it was the Undertaker's debut. Because this Survivor Series took place November twenty second, nineteen ninety. This is the night the Undertaker debuted, and we'll get into his debut in a moment. But also the past Survivor Series, where the Undertaker announced his retirement. By the way, our live stream of the watch party is available right now on our YouTube channel. So go to the YouTube channel for the Boochcast. You can see our watch party for that. But that particular Survivor Series took place November 22nd, 2020. So literally 30 years to the day that The Undertaker debuted in the WWE, he announced his retirement from the WWE. (laughs) So not only is this pay-per-view significant, the date is even more significant. And that's why to commem- not only are we choosing this pay-per-view to commemorate the fact that a Survivor Series pay-per-view took place, but also it was the same it was on the same day the Undertaker debuted. So this is a very significant pay-per-view for us to talk about. I, he he picked it. I'm just here. Yeah. Um, so despite the fact that it's a clusterfuck, it has a historical significance. So Yes, and Gator did not like this at all. Yes. Uh the Hart so we have the Hartford Center Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut, and it took place on Thanksgiving Day. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, it was, was also interesting there, because I'm sorry. There was another debut. Yes. And let us. Okay, so the Undertaker is the good takeaway from this, and then children. Uh, the second worst debut behind the first time Vince Russo ever walked out to a wrestling ring. Ladies and gentlemen, the gobbledygooker. Yes. The gobbledygooker. There was a giant egg at the ceremony at, at the event, and it had been on there for weeks trying to figure out who's going to come out of the egg. The Undertaker actually said that he thought he was going to be Eggman. He thought he was coming out of the egg, and he was going to have this egg-type gimmick and that he was going to get, uh, you know, look like a goof because back then WWE was doing a lot of goofy shit. Like, you think they do goofy shit now, it was even goofier back then. But, oh! Yeah. About Goofy. Now, children, this was during the time of D.L. Hoffa, the dumpster guy. Yes, Duke the Dumpster Jerosi, yeah. 
I remember him. And then the plumber, D.L. Hopper. Yes, and then the Repo Man. <laughs> Repo Man. Fashion Booger. Um, Sparky Plug. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Sparky Plug. Oh, God. Oh, God. The Goon. Bob Holly, make it stop. Um, oh. oh, the Goon. Oh, the hockey player. Well, that was that. Yeah, that was his time too. Um, um, the Mountie. The Mountie, yes. Tatanka. Um, Buffalo. Uh, Thank you. And then, of course, we had uh, Earthquake and Tugboat, who were who were also on the show. Um, tugboat, not Typhoon. Tugboat. Yes. So anyway, the gobbledygooker. The typhoon. Yeah. So the gobbledygooker comes out of the egg, and he becomes. A like a mascot for Survivor Series, and he makes a few appearances. And but here's the thing that a lot of some people know this, but a lot of people don't. The ori- the guy who was in the gobbledygooker suit mm-hmm. and portrayed the gobbledygooker for a good chunk of his of of his run, Hector Guerrero. Guerrero yeah. was the gobbledygooker and portrayed it all the way up till 2001. In fact, he was the gobbledygooker when he showed up in the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17. He played, portrayed him, but some other people portrayed the gobbledygooker over time. For example, the boogeyman at one point was dressed as the gobbledygooker. Maurice, the Mrs. Wife, at one point was the gobbledygooker. Xavier Woods dressed up as the gobbledygooker. And Jay Uso, even Jay Uso was the gobbledygooker. And the most recent person to portray the gobbledygooker was Drew Gulak when he won when he won the gob when he won the 24-7 title. However, there's a key aspect of that win that people need to know. That victory that Drew Gulak got in the gobbledygooker outfit, he is not rec- the the recognized champion is the gobbledygooker, not Drew Gulak. That did not count as a win for him. It counted as a win for the gobbledygooker. So the gobbledygooker has gone down in the history books as a former 24-7 champion, which if you're going to put a belt on the gobbledygooker, that should be the belt you put on him. I would give it to the gobbledygooker 100% if you're going to give him a belt at all. But also look at it like this. It was the 30-year anniversary of the gobbledygooker. The 24-7 title is already recognized as a joke title. Bugs Bunny tried to win that motherfucker last night. Yeah. At the time that we're taping this, it was last night. Uh, Paul Rosenberg, I think, still has it. Fucking Bugs Bunny. Yeah, well, he he tried to win it. He didn't. But Paul Rosenberg, from the panel, he won it from Hot 97. Y'all know the the rapper Bugs Bunny, the mumble rapper that can't do shit? Yeah. He yeah he, he's even on he's even on raw he's even on raw Monday Night Raw the, the oh next night. Oh God, Bugs Bunny was on Raw. Yeah, but it was mostly because they had he was there with Damian Priest, who I don't know if he got called up or not. He did. So he's on raw. He's officially a Raw superstar. Okay, good to know. But anyway, I guess. But yeah, so anyway, so that those were the uh, some of the biggest takeaways, and of course, you know, the Undertaker retiring, which was a um, you know, not at this pay per view, but. That on the same date, thirty years later, it was very emotional retirement. I know Desmond. Desmond was broken up about it, uh, mostly because he now knows that unless uh, unless WWE does a Hall of Fame ceremony for for uh, this upcoming WrestleMania and the Undertaker gets inducted, Desmond will never get to see the Undertaker's entrance live because he got he got fucked out of two WrestleManias that he was going to go to. And that may and that may not ever and that may not happen this year if they don't allow people. Well, yeah, I mean, I've heard they might do a virtual. Hall of Fame, uh, which here's the thing about, and I will say this about the Hall of Fame real quick before we jump into this recap. So I don't want to, I don't want to take too far away. But I will say this: I, I still maintain they could have did a, they could have did a Hall of Fame ceremony 
just with the wrestlers and social distancing because mm-hmm. I don't think fans should be at the Hall of Fame. I said it. I feel like fans treat it like a normal wrestling event, and it is not a normal wrestling event. I, I agree with you on that. And they fucking want to they wanna cheer and boo and disrespect people, and you don't do that. There's a time and a place to boo somebody. Now, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like if you want to boo Goldberg while he's in the ring having a match, be my guest. It's your opinion. You don't have to like him. But if he's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, and thank God this didn't happen, but if he's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, you either clap or shut your fucking mouth and let the yeah. and let the icon give his speech. Yeah. I, I hate that I, shit. I agree wholeheartedly with that. So that's why I don't, I, I... I don't think it should be televised. I don't think it should be something. I shouldn't think it should be something for the boys. And then what you do is if you want to have a physical Hall of Fame for people to walk through and look at, oh, these are the greatest moments, that's fine. But yeah. But, well, the it actual should, ceremony should not be televised. I think it should be televised. It just doesn't need. It's just not required to have fans. They didn't need them for that. Uh, yeah. I understand needing fans for Takeover Tampa Bay and WrestleMania and shit like that. Hell, they still had WrestleMania go on without fans. But the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, did not need did not need fans in attendance. It didn't. But that's just me. But anyway, so anyway, moving on. Anyway, moving on. So the Survivor Series kicks off now. This is back when Survivor Series. You know, one of the things we noticed in Survivor Series, they have a traditional, they call it, it's now called the traditional Survivor Series, which is five on five teams. Um, back then, it back, was just the whole entire fucking show. Exactly. It was 90% of the show was the elimination matches, and they would primarily. The whole fucking show. Yes. But instead of five on five, it was four on four. Now, I will say this. I had. I have one overall complaint about these matches. We'll get into the individual ones. But my overall complaint, Gary, I want your thoughts on this. I don't like at any Survivor Series, and there's one exception to the rule, and I will say what that exception is later, but nobody on a Survivor Series team should be walking to the ring individually. You play the you play the captain's music, and they all walk out at the same damn time. I agree with that. I hate that shit. You know why? And I hate it because to me that's not a team. Yeah, you got a team comes out together. The together. Only the only exception should have been the Undertaker, who was to. not scheduled to be in the match, and the only reason he was there and should have his own entrance is because he was the special fourth member of Team Whistle Dicks. We have money. Yes, thank you for jumping ahead, but yes, that's the truth. So what? Okay. That's the only that's the only special stipulation yes, that but I, you should get your own individual entrance. And I said we were going to mention that later, so you kind of jumped oh. ahead, but it's fine. I don't care. Well, sorry, ta-da. Yeah, ta-da. So anyway, now of course, in fact, here's the funny thing: the only match that wasn't an elimination match was the dark match between Shane Douglas and Buddy Rose. That was it. Everything else on here was a four-four. Oh, so we're going to kick things off. With another the, guy that did the Nature Boy gimmick, just as shitty, and looks just like the other guy that does the Nature Boy gimmick, who is just as shitty. Woo me, don't boo me. <laughs> Easy, dude. All right, so anyway, we get to the first official match of the Survivor Series. This is a four-on-four match. We have the team of the Warriors, which consists of the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk, the Texas Tornado, and God. the team captain, the Ultimate Warrior, versus... The perfect team, which has Demolition, Axe, Crush, and Smash, and the captain, Mr. Perfect. And they have Bobby Heenan and Mr. Fuji in their corner. Go ahead. This was – okay, too many managers. This was a complete and total clusterfuck. This entire pay-per-view was a complete and total clusterfuck. All of these matches, the – 
I'm okay with it until we get to the finishes. Here's here's how I feel about this match. It's one of those matches where it, I felt like it was moving way too fast. Like if you blinked, you missed it. Yeah. You missed it. Yeah. It, it was one of those things where, and I and that's the thing. Another thing about Survivor Series matches this, that I don't like is when anything can be an elimination. Like you can yeah. really just kick somebody and they're gone. And that would never yeah. happen in a normal match. Like, I think that's fucking stupid. Um, no, because psychology. Yes. Although I will say what I liked about this match was that it was proof that a match could be fast-paced without doing flippy-dippy circus shit. Agreed. It agreed. <laughs> Modern fan. Yes. Um, and there's another thing that happened, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Gator, because uh, as a fan, I didn't. I obviously didn't catch this, but as an analyst, it it confused me, it bugged me, and I and I need I need answers. Or confirmation. You're in the business, but go ahead. At one point, Hawk blatantly kicks the referee. I'm sorry, were there not baby faces in this match? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I, I have no clue. Because like, I get they're doing this whole thing where they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. Then the Hawk, like, not even accidentally. It's not even like there was a struggle and he bumped into the ref. He literally turns and does a gut kick to the ref. Yeah. What the fuck? It, that's all it was. It was what the fuck. I think it was a way to get Hawk out of there as quick as possible. That was, well, it was fucking stupid because you're babyface. You're not supposed to kick the fucking ref. No, but I, I don't know. I don't know how you justify that. But anyway, this this whole pay-per-view, if you cannot tell, folks, this whole pay-per-view is going to be very difficult for us to analyze things because, again, it's all these clusterfucks. Yeah. So I got some stuff individually. I don't know what, what you got written down. but I, I don't have a lot of individual stuff. I just have starts, finishes, and that's about it. And that's really all you can do is just yeah. the individual, catch the individuals when you can. Yeah. But there's not, there's not much I can really say other than the fact that this particular match, there was a lot of just outline bullshit that makes you go, where is the psychology? Which is kind of what I was saying during the Royal Rumble. Thank you, Roman Reigns. Yes. Um, okay. All right. Anyway, anyway. Um, so just anyway. saying. Thank you, Roman Reigns. Thank you. Uh, so modern, anyway. modern fans wouldn't get that. I mean, it it, it it's it's kind of like that. You know, it's kind of like you've just had a dagger shoved into your fucking heart. Y yes. But let me guess. You don't fucking have one anymore, right? Oh yeah, I don't fucking have one anymore. Yeah. Um. Just just double checking. Uh. So anyway. Uh. <laughs> Now, now, as, now, as I mentioned before, Gator and I are both commentators in the business. We both do, you know, provide the on-air, have provided on-air commentary. Uh, Gator doesn't do it quite as often anymore. For me, it's a regular job in the biz. Gator, Gator's a manager most of the time. Yes, at this point. I, I'm a um, and I'm a commentator most of the time. I will, uh, I will occasionally get behind if somebody needs a filler. Yeah, uh, I will occasionally do color. Yes. Um. And right now, like for my grandfather's company, uh, I'm the color guy. Ooh, interesting. For TV, for TV right now, because I'm the only one that can get those get certain things across. Yeah. That and we don't have a major heel on it as a color guy, but you know we we can't run a lot of events right now because of thank you COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But anyway, um. But I want to mention that because uh, somebody else kind of makes a – I don't know if it's a, it's a debut, but it's a pay-per-view debut. Hot Rod Roddy Piper behind the commentary. Oh, God, this was terrible. I, I will say this. It was terrible, but he had his moment. And there was a moment in this match where Roddy Piper said something, and I damn near fell out of my chair laughing. And I think it was the most entertaining okay. part of the whole match. 
That's the thing, though. Sometimes he oversteps. But he was like, that's like at one that's point, like telling, that's like telling me uh, certain things I can't say. Yeah. And you didn't tell me what I can't say. Exactly. So then I get on there and I do that. Exactly. So at one point, uh, Bobby Heenan gets hit with something. I forget what it is. I it might have been a atomic drop. Uh, and then uh, Roddy Piper says, and I quote, "That's one weasel that finally got fixed. We don't have to worry about offspring." Jesus Christ! I love that shit. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie. I may steal that if somebody oh gets hit in the nuts. If we, yeah, I, I can't say no, I can't say nothing. I was the one who did a. Uh, I got asked to do a midget battle royal. I think I told you about this. I, you know, I did the midget wrestling show. Yes, a long time ago. Yeah. And um, one of the gimmicks that the midget, one of the midgets had, he was a young Mexican midget, and he he wore a ma- a chicken mask and called himself uh, the little pecker. <laughs> yeah. And and he got hit in the nuts. And of course, I'm live on the air, and I'm talking like this, and I'm I've got the microphone. There's a a freaking event hall full of people, so I got to be funny. And of course, I go, "Oh, he just got hit in the chicken nuggets." <laughs> I remember that. I'm like, oh my god. That was good. And I will say there was one other good thing about this match that I liked, and I want to get your thoughts on it too. It finally ended. Almost. Uh, I loved the false finish between Perfect and Warrior when he hit the Perfect Plex. Oh, that was decent. I will that was say a that wonderful was false finish. That was good. But I just, this whole thing, man, I wanted to fast forward. Yeah. And that's actually what I wrote down. I want to fast forward. Yes. I, the, the God, a whole paper, actually, and I have this underline bolded, and I think I sharpied it, too. A whole fucking pay-per-view of this shit. Yeah, so, of course, the Ultimate Warrior, after he eventually beats, mis- eliminates Mr. Perfect, the Ultimate Warrior is now the sole survivor of this team. I mentioned that because it's going to play a role later on. Anyway, yeah. we move on to the next match of the evening, which is another 4-on-4 four four match. We have the Million Dollar Team, which consists of the Honky Tonk Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, which I believe they were called Rhythm and Blues, and we have the Undertaker, who becomes their uh, mystery partner, who comes out with Brother Love. Because a lot of people forget Brother Love was the original manager before Paul Bearer. And the captain, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Yes, yes, the original, the original orange-faced man. It wasn't Donald Trump, children. It was Brother Love. Yes. So we have, and of course, once again, we have Brother Love out there, Jimmy Hart's out there, and Virgil is in there in the corner. Too many goddamn managers. Yep. And the opponents are the Dream Team, which consists of Bret Hart, the team captain, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Coco Beware, and Jimmy Wait a Animal Nightheart. Wait a minute. Go back. Who was it? It was the American what? Who to who? The American Dream, Dusty Rules, baby. Thank you. You can't not you can't not do that when Dusty's in there. Well, I'm try- well, you see, Daddy, I'm trying to get through a lot of names, and I don't have time to bring in the lisp, if you will. Uh, that's like saying Tatanka and not saying Buffalo. Well, you know, well, you know, I'm gonna get to the Buffalo eventually. Again, that's like saying Tatanka and not saying Buffalo. Got it. Anyway, so how'd you feel about this match? The same is a clusterfuck. I just don't know where to go with these. Yeah. Now, of course, they, it's um, just too much. I, I, okay. I like tag team wrestling. I will say that I like tag team wrestling when it's done well. What I do not like is 
a whole pay-per-view full of shitty tag team wrestling. I'm not a huge fan of four-man tag matches. I'm not a huge fan of three-man, of, of six-mans. Okay, so anyway, we got to... It it's, it's a constant thing where you can overdo it. Yeah. You know, too much of a... Like I said at, during our Royal Rumble watch party, um, there is too much of a good thing. Yes, and... Overbooking... Yes, and of course, uh, The Undertaker comes out, and Roddy Piper has another classic line here. Look at the size of that ham hock. I don't know. Was that a good choice of words? No. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't even think no, I know what a ham hock is. I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea what a ham hock is. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I'm part of a ham. I guess. So anyway, the un- and I like the fact The Undertaker looked very intimidating. But a lot of people talked about a how badass sc- bird is like pork. I don't yeah. know. But he also. But a lot of people talked about how scary the Undertaker looked. I don't know if it's me, but I, I, he I, looks I, cartoony here. I didn't think he was that scary. Did you? He looks cartoony here. Yeah, I'm just saying, and, I, and it was also weird seeing him with Brother Love because I'm so because <laughs> I'm so used to seeing him with Paul Bearer. I was never around for the Brother Love moments. And I like I Brother wish, Love. I think he's a great. Manager. I wish they would have done more with that gimmick. I love that gimmick. Yeah. Now. Uh, so I'm glad that didn't last long. Um, now, I'm not because I love I love that gimmick. I will say so. I will say um, the Undertaker had. I, I, I love I love it. I I blatantly stole it when I was Reverend Gator. Yes, <laughs> I did. I just didn't paint my face. I didn't paint my face red. But I mean, I blatantly stole that. And, Ladies and gentlemen, be healed. So yeah. Yes, I talked in a two syllable word. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. You gotta yeah. talk in the two syllable words. <laughs> and then I don't know. I don't know where the syllable is. I thought that was what you do. Um, when you when you go somewhere, you you write up a syllable so yeah. people know where they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's usually what the teacher gives out at the beginning of every school year. But anyway, a syllable. Yes, yes, yes. It tells you what 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 you're gonna do that year. Yeah. So the Undertaker had an impressive debut. Obviously, um, he was built so strong in the beginning, which is how dominant he was. That a countout was the only logical way to eliminate him. However, exactly, and that you couldn't have done that any other way. Because if you'd done it any other way, it would have it would have completely buried him. But I have I have a very important question because maybe something happened and I didn't catch it. I don't think he was the legal man when he was counted out, was he? I don't remember him getting tagged in and then end up ending up out on the floor. He he wasn't, and I have that written down. But I was gonna I was gonna wait and see what you said about it, because you didn't say it. I wasn't gonna say it because I was just gonna protect the business. No, I, I I'm gonna say it because I was like, what the fuck? How is he? That's a how do you count somebody out that's not the legal man? I was I was protecting the business, but yeah, it wasn't the legal man. Um, uh, dude, it's been thirty years. We ain't gotta protect this. I was still protecting it's Taker. Yeah, well, yeah. It, hey, I call. I'm. I'm. It's not Taker's fault. I don't think. But I don't know whose fault it is. I, I blame the ref that, mostly. That shitty referee. Yeah, the referee. He's the one to blame. But he was yes. not the legal man Thank when he was counted you, out. Earl which is stupid. Yeah, and and of course, as we mentioned before, the eliminations went way too fast. Way too fast. Um, I will say for the other team, 
Bret Hart was the guy who stood out the most. I think he... Get get used to the way too fast thing, because that's the entire pay-per-view. Yeah, but I feel like Bret Hart stood out the most from his dive outside the ring towards the end to being the only one to get shots in on The Undertaker. Now, he didn't hurt The Undertaker, but he kind of rattled him. But Bret was the only one that was hitting in shots, and The Undertaker was uh, quasi-selling. You know, like I said, he didn't hurt him, but you could see he's like jerking his head. He's getting a little rattled, you know. And then eventually Taker would stop it in his tracks. But Bret Hart, to me, was the one who stood out in this match. Definitely. Out of the, everybody on this show. Very much so. Everybody Very else was so. kind of getting dropped. And um, ultimately, um, Ted DiBiase ended up beating Bret Hart. And Ted DiBiase is the sole survivor of this team. Again, take note of that because it's going to mean something later. And yeah. It's going to make you want to quote things. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then we move on to the next match of the evening, which has the Visionaries. With Hercules, Paul Roma, the model Rick Martel, who was the team captain, and the Warlord, with Slick in their corner, uh, taking on the Vipers, which consisted of the captain, Jake the Snake Roberts, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, and the Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. (laughs) Uh, And this is funny, why? They should have just called it, called that whole entire team the felonies. Um, oh. what um, what felonies did Shawn Michaels do? Drugs. Oh, that's a felony. Oh, that's a felony. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. wow. I knew you got arrested. I didn't know they were felonies. I thought felonies. Were okay. How about this? How about this? Two murderers. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Wait a minute. Three murderers and Jake Roberts. <laughs> Who did Shawn kill? <laughs> Marty Janetti's career. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. Accurate. Accurate, yes. So um anyway. By the way, Dark Side of the Ring coming soon. Yes, uh, uh we're gonna be yes. Oh, Jimmy Snook and the Death of Nancy Argentino is actually gonna be on the YouTube channel. If it's not there already, depending on how we get through this at the time. When this, this airs. Out. When this airs, this may or may not be on the YouTube channel. If it's on the YouTube channel, watch it. If it's not, it'll be there soon. Uh, if it's not, watch our other ones. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, we got... um. So uh, so anyway, I will say what I liked about this match. Oh, my God. And I'll get to whatever... Th- <laughs> if Gator has any thoughts, we'll get to those. Um, Gator, do you have any? Other than what Marty you just said. Marty Jannetty. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's just, I'm sorry. I can't take this fucking series. Okay. It's Marty fucking Jannetty. You know, I mean, it, oh, I had to make somebody disappear. Where the fuck is Clem? You know, it's that whole situation. All right. Okay, you're t- when okay. Made, you when you clearly- made that faggot disappear. Oh, yeah. So anyway, um, let's see here. I, I just realized I can't say faggot. <laughs> So let me re- revert. When he made the queer disappear, <laughs> that's actually funny because it rhymes. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes you just gotta buy weed from a gay guy at a bowling alley. <laughs> oh dear God! And then he tries to give you a blowjob, so you beat him with a brick and bury his body out back in the fucking river. I mean, it happens. Ask Jimmy Schnooker. <laughs> It happens. It happens, okay? Sometimes you have a psychotic breakdown. You don't believe me? 
Ask Chris Benoit. Yes, which that'll be another dark side of the ring that y'all want to check out. But anyway, let's. Oh my God, Marty Jannetty. All right, so, <laughs> right, so so I guess that's all you have to say about this match. You don't have anything to say. You're just no, no, the match was the, the like I said, it's very hard to, to really say anything about these because they're just so they're they're so clustered. It's weird how they put these teams together because it's really just they just throw them together. Um, the eliminations again are too fast for you to even really keep up with i do enjoy the snake spot at the end though yeah the snake spot was great now i will say um here's what i thought i found interesting about this match from what i could gather um mm-hmm. i thought it was interesting to see jimmy snooker this is the part where now he's wearing boots in the ring instead of wrestling barefoot <laughs> i thought that was interesting to see uh um, because because you can't leave footprints <laughs> oh my god all right uh i like the fact that shoe, War- shoe analyzing technology had not been invented yet yeah. Okay. Are you done? Can we can we analyze the show now, please? Are you done? No, boy. We're good. All right. Thank you. Um. Anyway, Warlord in this match was badass and dominant, which I thought was fucking cool. Warlord. And I and I will say this: everybody in this match, at at the very least, knew how to work, including Marty Jannetty. I thought and they tried. This match was good. They tried. And the match was reasonably paced. It wasn't too fast, wasn't too slow. It was just right. Like, See, that's the thing. I I disagree because I feel I feel like it, it it got it did it it picked up speed towards the end because I felt like they were rushing. That could have been it, but overall, I thought it was a reasonably paced match. Um, I I can kind of agree and kind of not agree. You know, and, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say anything reasonable about Marty Jannetty. All right. But. Well, you mentioned the snake spot at the end. Yes, I, I do have a quarrel with this. Oh God. Rick, for those you don't know, here's how it ends. Rick Martell runs for his life as Jake chases him out of the area. During this time, there's a countout. Jake the Snake Roberts gets counted out. Because uh, he went for Damien. Yes. And then the end, the result of this match is the sole survivors are the entire visionary team. Hercules, Paul Roma, Rick Martell, and the Warlord. And apparently they are the first Survivor Series team in the history of Survivor Series to have the entire team intact. Earlier, I mentioned how The Undertaker got counted out, and he was not the legal man. So why, ladies and gentlemen, someone please explain to me. Maybe Gator can, or someone can comment below on on SoundCloud. Tell me why. How is Rick Martell part of the Soul Survivor team? I'd like to know. I have no... Or there's just no fucking consistency in WWE during this time either. There was no fucking consistency. Because as far as I'm concerned, it should have been the three of them minus Rick Martell. You might as well count them both out. You did the same thing with Taker. Clearly, referees are watching. So it's it's not just the matches that are a cluster fuck the referees don't know what the fuck they're doing either i think i see why some- <laughs> kind of like marty jimetti <laughs> i can see why i can see why a lot of these guys don't work for wwe anymore i don't think it's because i don't think it's because they got old i kinda, think it's because they realize hey these guys fucking suck kind of like marty jimetti <laughs> are you done i'm sorry no are we done here's the thing though it's like no here's the thing okay it's <laughs> This entire this entire setup of trying to make it seem like okay, well, this guy got counted out before this guy, but we're gonna let this guy go into the finals, but we don't, you know, it just it. If you have to explain it, then it means somebody has already done poke holes in it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Exactly. You know, kind of like Marty Jannetty's murder issues. Anyway, go ahead. All right. So anyway, um, so we're gonna move on here. Uh, to the next match of the evening. Oh, my uh, God. And we got the Hulkamaniacs, which consists of the big boss man. The team captain, of course, is Hulk Hogan. Uh, well, no shit. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 
and Tugboat wow. taking on the Natural Disasters, which consists of the Barbarian, Dino Bravo, Shitty. Earthquake, who I believe was the captain, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And, he, he was. That's why it was that. That's why it was called that. And Haku with Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart in their corner. Too many managers again. This entire paper you should be called Survivor Series. Curse of too many managers. Yes. Um. God. God. This was. This was all right. I mean, the pacing of this was just obnoxious. Yeah. It really was. Um. Haku. Like, what do you do? I mean, as the badass he is, it's like, what do you? What do you do? So it's 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 just weird how it's weird how the eliminations happen so fast in this. Like, you can get lost. Yeah. And because and of course, because as we mentioned before, this is another scenario where eliminations happen way too fast. Uh, yes, because match- it was a clusterfuck. Like I said, it was just obnoxious how fast it was. The match is decent, but not really special. Um, at all. Once again, uh, Gorilla Monsoon uh, uses the phrase irresistible force meets the immovable object, which I think is a – is that either his catchphrase or he just butchers the shit out of that because he uses that way too much? He, he Yeah, it started to become obnoxious. Uh, like the speed of this match, it, it just was getting to be too much, you know? Yeah. So we got uh, – so, of course, uh, that's how Earthquake and Tubboat uh, wound up getting counted out. Um, then, of course, um, we're checking out uh, this whole match. What I liked about the match was that it came down to Hulk Hogan and the Barbarian. And I liked this be- for a very biased reason because uh, during my time in UCW – Yes, I've gotten to I've gotten to get, I've gotten acquainted uh, and friend and, and been friends with uh, the Barbarian. One and, of the nice people. Yes. Uh, so I've I've worked with Barb on quite a few shows, and you know I've he's, I've taken a liking to him. He's taken a liking to me. Um, and so to see him, uh, to know that he and while he was in WWE, he got to have great moments like this. I genuinely enjoyed. So I, that's why this match was pretty much my favorite. Of the night, because just for that, re- just for that reason, the match was a clusterfuck. But Hogan and Barb had a really good moment in the end, which I thought was cool. Yeah, towards the end, but it was just it, it, it really the whole pacing of this match really fucks that ending. It should have been way more spectacular than it was. Yes, and I'll agree with that. So that's and then of course Hogan beats Barbarian, becomes the sole survivor of the team, and because he- because you know that's the way we want it, brother. Yeah. And on that note, that's we're... not going to work for me, brother. <laughs> no. And of course, in the end, uh, after this, we get to the next match of the evening. We have the Alliance, which consists of uh, the Bushwhackers, Butch and Luke, uh, the captain of the team, um, Nikolai Volkov, and Tito Santana. <laughs> Taking on the mercenaries, which consists of um, Boris uh, Zhukov. I don't even know if I pronounced that right or not. Uh, Sato Tanaka and the captain of the team, Sergeant Slaughter. And with them, they had Mr. Fuji and General Adnan. God damn it. Was this just, let's put all the foreign fucks in a match together? Yes. Because that's what this seemed like to me. Let's let's just put all the foreign fucks in a match, and they'll figure it out. And here's my only takeaway from this whole entire match wasn't even the fucking match. Well, one aspect of the match, but I will say this. And the best way to describe this whole thing, this, this whole ordeal, is what the fuck are they thinking? Sergeant Slaughter. I've been saying that this entire pay-per-view. Yeah, but this is a real what the fuck moment, not even, just like shitty Even matches. when they put even when they put the three murderers in in the same team with fucking Jake Roberts. 
Yeah, I get it. But anyway, you know the dead beat dad. Yeah, I get it. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I finish making my point? Yes, go ahead. Okay, this is getting goddamn ridiculous now. You made your point with the other fucking ma- with the match. Stop referencing. Oh, I know. I know I did. I'm just saying he's a deadbeat dad. So moving on. I don't fucking care. I'm not here to talk about Still that. Still a deadbeat dad, but it could be worse. He could have killed his own kid. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. So anyway, Sergeant Slaughter. Cuts one of the most intense heel promos of all time. I'm surprised he's not dead. What the <laughs> fuck that was that? Vein, that fucking vein. Jesus. <laughs> if you go back and watch that fucking vein on the side of his neck starts popping out. <laughs> like. And and you're just like, oh, he's getting ready to have a conniption. Oh, I, it was almost like, I think that's like the early 90s version of just go out there and piss people off. I'm Wait a minute, you want me to just piss people off? No. You you're Gator, you're already crossing the line with this show. I don't want you going any further. Cause I want to be able to air this motherfucker. Okay? So no. The uh train. Oh yeah, there's the train. Okay, so anyway, um so yeah, so Sergeant Slaughter cuts one of the most intense heel promos on the fucking planet. Scared the shit out of me. Like, I mean, I get that he's a heel and he's getting his heat and he's doing a damn good job of it, but he was saying shit that would, like, get you legit knocked the fuck out. Oh, yes, I've been there. So let me explain something, children. It's, sometimes in life, you just got to go for it, okay? I was told one time, and Vinny, Vinny, can pro- Vinny has countless stories about the times I've been told, Gator, just go piss people off. Yeah. But, well, you, you do. I do. Right? And I just want to say one thing. Um, there's a lot of promoters that have told Gator to do this. All of them are fucking idiots for doing so. <laughs> no, they're not. I got my heat. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the the again, how the fact that Gator isn't dead shocks the shit out of me. No, because like, I carry a gun <laughs> to the ring. Not to no, but I have something in my jacket pocket that uh, if you want to see, find out what it is, come on and jump across. Oh shit! All right. But my point uh, is it's, it's not a gun, it's not a knife, but you can you can take a right hand from it, and I don't think you're gonna get up. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, I carry a chain in my in my jacket pocket. Damn. Um, I have used it in matches before, but a lot of times I just carry it for the marks because you don't you don't know when when a fucking mark is gonna take it too far and then jump. And I'm sorry, you jump across that barricade, you're in my world, bitch. Oh, uh, we oh everybody's in agreement on that. Let's, let us let us let us um just a quite quite side note. Let us uh go ahead and disclaimer. Vinny, disclaimer why you don't do that. Um because if you jump once you step over the guardrail, once you get into the ring, the wrestlers have carte blanche to do anything and everything to stop you from getting to the ring. You can get Heel, naked, baby face. Doesn't matter. They will they will whoop your ass. Once you step over that guardrail, you are no longer a fan. You are a threat, and you are going to be dealt with with physical force. And not mm-hmm. only – it's not just the heels and the baby faces. Referees, announcers, mm-hmm. we're all whooping your ass at that point. Mm-hmm. If you I, see- I've, even, I've even told Vinny, if you see this and you can get a shot, get it. Yeah, because at that point, it is no longer kayfabe. It is protect protect yourself and the people – and and the boys around you. And the boys. Protect yeah. yourself and the brothers. You yeah. it or sisters, I mean, because there are lady wrestlers. Um yes. but but goddamn, if you were stupid enough, which I've I've had this happen to me a few times, if you were really stupid enough to to do this, um, God have mercy on your soul. You're lucky if you make it if you make it out of there in one piece, if you pull some shit like yeah. that. 
never jump the guardrail. Just never jump the guardrail. Stupid. You're this is this is the teachable moment here. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, so that yeah. was one aspect. The fact that Sergeant Slaughter cut this incredibly fucked up promo, which yes, I was, I, and and here's the thing: the fucked up promo is good and all, but once he once you see that facial expression and that fucking vein pop out of his neck, that's when I was like, okay, he's getting his eat. <laughs> yeah, and. Another, here's another thing that I and this is now this is one aspect of the match that I did not like, oh, and God. maybe Gator, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong because I know you will. Um, okay. Am I the only one that found it weird that the heel, in this case Sergeant Slaughter, was the one that had to make a comeback while being outmanned? It's not weird. It's just not the way I would have booked it. I don't know why anybody uh, would book it. That but way. I'm tradi- But I'm traditional. I I am heel face traditional. Um, traditional about how I do things. And um, I I always say that a babyface comeback gives more of a pop than a heel comeback. But that being said, if it's done correctly, which it was done correctly here, he got his heat. They were booing the shit out of him. Yeah, I just... If you listen to the crowd reaction, he did what he was supposed to do, and that was piss people off. Yeah, I mean... Because they think, think, oh, look, he's coming back. He's going to win now, and it's just boo, boo, boo. I mean... Shit, he done what he done right. Yeah. Like I said, not the way I would have booked it, but, you know, hey. Yeah, so in the end, uh, Tito Santana ends up becoming the sole survivor because Sergeant Slaughter gets disqualified. <laughs> the Mexican jumping bean. Yes. <laughs> Chico. Chico. Um, of course. Chico. So now he's the sole survivor. Now, you, now, you, now I've been saying the pay attention to the sole survivor because it's important. Some of you are probably thinking, Booch, why is it important? Here's why, children. Because... The main event of this pay-per-view is was, the was the, basically all the baby faces that were Soul Survivors on one team versus all the heels that were Soul Survivor on another team. The ultimate, yes, the ult, the grand finale. And the grand finale consisted of the team. It was a three-on-five match because of, you know, the an entire team getting, you know, on there. So it was a team of Hulk Hogan, Tito Santana, and the, and ultimate, the ultimate Warrior, warrior. Yeah. versus Hercules. Paul Roma, Rick Martel, Ted DiBiase, and the Warlord, and of course with them was Virgil and Slick. God. Of course, Hogan is gonna do what Hogan does here. This was this was literally just so bad that it was done so quickly. It was all right, let's get let's get this across and get out of here. You know? Yeah. And that's what it felt like. Yeah, it was literally like a nine minute match. It was let's get the point across and let's set up for WrestleMania. Yeah, and but I will say, and maybe this is maybe I'm the only one complaining about this because I always have to double check. Warlord went out way too fast. Um, what the I don't, fuck? I don't think I don't. I think you're just complaining to complain on that one. Um, because he's he's a mid card guy. I mean, let's just it works. It it works in its in the in the scope of the story, but to have two of the b- biggest stars in that particular era doing what they do, which is bobbing their head and saying "brother," you know, hey, okay. Because I'm not I'm not the huge. I don't know if I've ever stated this. Um, I know I've stated I'm not a huge Ultimate Warrior fan because I I just feel like he was only pushed because of his look. And that was it. The man couldn't work, and he had to be led with by the hand to do anything. Um, that being said, I'm not the hugest Hulk Hogan fan either. Uh, Hogan, to me, always was the epitome of egotistical. Because, you know, I have met him before. 
Okay. With my grandfather working for WCW. Okay. I just I so it's hard for me to as as somebody who's in the business to look at matches and be like, oh, there's Hogan, egotistical son of a bitch. It's kind of like it's kind of like Vinny when Vinny sees um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Like sometimes you can't put those feelings aside. Yeah. Not wrong. No, I, I I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just listening. Oh, because Vinny hates Ricky the Dragon Steamboat because he's a prick. Yes. Which I can second that he is a prick. Yes, but... we we've est- we established that on the uh, – if you listen to the classic WrestleMania 2 recap that's on SoundCloud, I posted it during the hiatus. I go into detail about why I don't like Ricky Steamboat, and we it's very much mentioned. Um, so I yes, mean, how I, much I, of a prick yeah, and I'll probably bring it up every other time I hear a Ricky Steamboat match, but I, I mentioned it mostly there on WrestleMania two, and that's the only and because of the WrestleMania, it got put on its own separate track, so that's why I further emphasized the story. But yeah, I hate him. So anyway. Yes, and that's that's the same feeling I have with Hogan because of his egotisticalness. So this is hard for me to watch just because it's Hogan. Yeah, um, but. I don't. I don't know. It's. It's a. It's. It maybe. It's a. Do you. Do you get where I'm coming from? I get where you're coming from. I will say that me personally, uh, I got to meet Hulk Hogan uh, a few years back when I went to when I went to Orlando with Zach for WrestleMania. Okay. Um, this is this is this is modern Hogan after his son's been taken away from him, his marriage has been crumbled, and all that other bullshit that humbled his ass. I'm talking about '90s Hogan. He's a dick. <laughs> Okay. All right. There's a difference. I know. I'm just saying that I don't I I don't have that I didn't have that moment. So I'm respecting the fact that, that you do that not, experience. Yeah. yeah. I'm not taking your experience away from you or contradicting it. I'm just saying when I met Hogan, he was wonderful to me and I grew up as a fan of Hogan. In fact, I also grew up as a Warrior fan. Like I love the in fact, I think the Ultimate Warrior was one of the few guys that I liked more than I liked Hogan. In fact, outside of Hogan, there's oh only God. two wrestlers, there's only two wrestlers that I enjoyed more than Hogan in his prime. God. And that was the Ultimate Warrior and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Like Randy oh, Savage well, was my one, Randy was Yeah, my but guy. one of those things just doesn't belong there. I'm just saying I'm just saying one of those guys was a very talented fucking gimmick and worked his gimmick well and was just Miles of head of from the other two. That's a nice thing to so, say about the Hulkster. But anyway, uh, no, on. I'm talking about I'm talking about Randy. I know I was fucking with you. I'm aware, but I okay. I'm very I'm very high. On, I've always been very high on the Macho Man because I the Macho too. Man could cut a promo and he could fucking work. Yes, I and I was always a fan of Randy Savage, but I grew up I grew up a Randy Savage fan. But yes. anyway. Um, so in the end, uh, I will say that one thing I liked was the fact that, uh, this is another moment with, um, Roddy Piper on commentary, which I really liked. It was when we saw, uh, Hercules and Paul Roma double teaming at one point, like doing a team and tagging out. And he said, an interesting thing about tag teams that I never really thought about. He said, use the powerful man to knock him down and agility to get the job done. Wow. I thought it was very well said by the hot rod. Yeah, that's, that's I might steal that. Um, <laughs> just saying. That's fine. I'm already taking the weasel, the weasel part. Well, take, uh, take the weasel. He's I, you know, Hogan. I'm not Hogan. Hot Rod. <laughs> Hot Rod had his moments. Uh, again, this is like telling me go on there and piss people off. Which, by the way, I do not do on commentary. Yes. 
Well, yeah, because that's that's just a rule. Let's, you don't do that. Let's 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 throw that out there right now. I do not piss people off on commentary. I just yeah. I'm just a damn good heel. Yes. So I, I did like that. So anyway, in the end, uh, the sole survivors end up being yeah. Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, so of course they stand tall in the ring because even though they've been way past WrestleMania six, you know they're mm-hmm. at the part where they're you know showing the respect and Hogan is helping to endorse the Warrior as the future. Your big star of the company at that time, and yeah, indoors, yes. indoors. So WrestleMania is not around indoors. Yeah, so uh, of course WrestleMania six, we're going to be talking about at a later date here on the show, but yes. that was really what I wanted to get into. So in the end, Hogan and Warrior, the sole survivors, and that brings us to the end of this clusterfuck pay per view. Yes, which means now, children, I can go to sleep. Yes, and uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this uh, pay per view review of Survivor Series nineteen ninety. Like we said, overall crazy ass uh, clusterfuck of a show, but we had to talk about it because of the significance of the date. The same date that it was the date that the it was the Survivor Series where the Undertaker debuted, and it was on the exact same day, thirty years to the day that the Undertaker retired from the sport forever. And you know what else I just realized, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but it is actually really accurate. What is that? Because I'm looking at the dates. Yeah. This is also thirty years to the day Marty Jannetty admitted to murder. What are you talking about? He didn't talk about it here. No, not there, but just 30 years later, Marty Jannetty admitted to murder. No, he, not on this day. He mentioned that months ago. Like, actually, it was like, a, it was like last year. He still admitted it. Anyway. Jesus Christ. All right. Anyway, this is finally going to wrap up the Survivor Series 1990, and hopefully I can still air this fucking thing. But anyway. Um, no, you can air it. Just don't be a prick. All right. So anyway, um, this will conclude Survivor Series 1990. Uh, Gator, I thank you. We did. We did. Hey, we did. We did best we could with this clusterfuck. I tried to make it entertaining. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Okay. You can't. You can't be mad with trying to make five freaking tag matches of varying length and disfiguring entertainment. Yes. So anyway, uh, Gator, I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join me on this and uh, look forward to talking to you on the next one. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude uh, this portion of uh, the Boochcast. Make sure you guys jump on over to part two. We'll be getting into the Wednesday Night Wars. It'll be uh, myself and John Tumblin covering NXT. Elvis Linsky and Desmond Dagenhart will be covering AEW. Please, two. please, please listen just to the NXT part. The other two are not what I would call accurate analysts. They are the modern analysts. So if you are like me and you like traditional wrestling with a little modern flair, please just listen to the people that know what they're talking about, a.k.a. the NXT team. All right, so... And on that note, I thank you for that. And make sure you guys are following us on all of our social media platforms. Support the show through Patreon. And make sure you check out part two. Just the NXT part. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.